It's the Bengals Nation podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Bengals Nation host, Jed Demusi with Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Bengals Nation podcast, Jed Demusi and Local12.com digital editor and columnist, Richard Skinner. Joining you as we prepare for Bengals Steelers Monday night, both teams 0-3. Let's talk a little bit about the Bills game first, Skinny. There's just a, a dismal first half offensively for this team. Their first first down was late in the second quarter. It just seems like if this team could, could put something together for an entire game that they could have at least be one and two right now. Yeah, and I think it starts with what they did in the second half when they when they started trusting the running game more. Um, uh, you know, Joe Mixon in the first half only carried four times for 18 yards. They only ran twice on. They had eight first down plays. They're right, only two first downs, but eight first down plays. Okay. And ran the ball on two of those. Mixon had 11 on on one, three on another. The other ones were four incomplete passes, passes, a negative three yard pass completion, and oh, a pass completion to John Ross that he fumbled away. In the second half, it felt like they kind of decided, Let, let's trust the running game a little bit more. And when they did, they had success. When they had success with that, you saw them start to go to some play-action stuff and, and Tyler Boyd sneaking behind linebackers and, and open up some lanes there. Auden Tate sneaking behind linebackers. So Zach was kind of asked that by me on Monday if, if he trusted it more. And I think the question was kind of asked again today. I think he bristled a little bit at, at it today. We're trying to get everybody involved. And, and we, we gave him the ball in those first couple drives. And unfortunately, we... You know, their very first play, we're just trying to get something going, and we ended up in second 10 on what we felt like should have been an efficient play on first down. And then the first play of the second drive, we got a penalty, um, which wasn't a penalty, um, but should put us right back in the first and 15. So it's, it's hard to say that we should have given Joe the ball in those first two plays when we feel like we should have been in great shape. Uh, we just we, we weren't. And But, again, it's, he does give us a spark. Geo gives us a spark. We feel really good about the direction of our run game and what those backs provide for us. I think, though, I think he found something in the second half, which was, all right, you know what, I just got to trust that it's going to work. And when it did, you saw they had some pretty good offensive success in the second half. So I think that's the thing he needs to carry over to this. doesn't mean you have to run on every first down, but it also doesn't mean you need to pass on every first down either. And they did a lot of that in game one and a lot of that in game three. We haven't had a lot of positive things or positive developments on the offensive line, I should say. Cordy Glenn remains in concussion protocol. His his story continues, and the the likelihood of him being back on the field this week, as we tape this on Thursday, uh, isn't really any better than no. it was a week ago. But I do think that Billy Price really afforded himself pretty well at guard, starting for Michael Jordan. Did maybe him getting benched to start the year awaken something in him? Did you like his performance on Sunday? I, I did, and I, I liked the fact that when I asked Zach on Monday, I was waiting for the, you know, you, that's kind of an open-ended question, how did a guy play? And sometimes coaches will tap dance around that, and he point blank said he thought he played played well. I leave that up to the coaches a lot of times. They grade him, you know, the way they grade him, and, and they, they can give you the, the proper opinion on that. And so I was, I was a little shocked and surprised that he got a direct answer of how well he played. Maybe guard's a better position for Billy Price. I mean, let's not forget, he was a guard at Ohio State at one point and then moved to center when I think Pat Elfline got drafted in the NFL right. and Michael Jordan then went from guard to center when Billy right. Price got drafted in the NFL. Um, and, and maybe Trey Hopkins is a better center. Maybe that's you kind of lucked into maybe a, a, a qualified center and, and a guy who can play left guard in, in Billy Price. So, yeah, and I think that was good for him. I, I think he's reacted to the whole thing very, very well. Um, he's... Uh, he, he took the benching, if you will, um, the way you want somebody to respond to that, which is don't, don't pout about it. Go when you get your next opportunity, prove yourself. Well, 
what do you do in his next opportunity? He kind of proved himself. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, it sounds like Michael Jordan will, will be back healthy, but Billy's going to get first team reps um, at least to start the week, and we'll see who starts on, on Sunday. I think he acquitted himself at least well enough to probably get another nod at that. Right. Uh, unfortunately, more injury issues. Darius Phillips, who really should have had a, a kick return for a touchdown yep. that was called back on an odd and Tate hold that was, I don't know, borderline at best. At I best. think when you when you look at the tape, he also had the interception that sort of got that the Bengals sideline yeah. awake. Uh, he's unfortunately on IR. Zach, as, as we sit here on Thursday just uh, mentioned to the media that there was something in, involved. There was some Cartridge. stuff in his yeah. knee. I, that I, was, it was surprising. Because um, I talked to him after the game, he showed no indication. I know some other people that didn't go to Buffalo talked to him on Monday, and he didn't show any indication. I mean, that, that shocked me when, when I got the phone call today that he was going on IR. And um, I mean, if it was something short-term, uh, you know, they wouldn't have done it. They would have just deactivated him for the week. But, uh, you know, this is at least eight weeks now he's going to miss before he can come back. And that's disappointing because, again, when you get your opportunity, you got to make the most of it, right? Well, he did it in the kick return game, and he did it as the slot corner in place of B.W. Webb, who's in place of – of, uh, of Dark, Dark West Denard. So, yeah, and, and I think that's what you want to see. If, if you get your opportunity, you may not get a second chance in this league. And, and so he started to show something. Unfortunately, now he's shelved. B.W. Webb's status is up in the air. It sounds like he may potentially come back, but maybe in somewhat of a limited role. I think B.W. Webb will play in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's I can't say that with 100% confidence, but I think he's he's got a good chance to play. We feel comfortable with Tony and, and the role that he's played and, so, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of take it day by day and see what the game plan entails. But um, it, it, it is, you know, pretty good news on BW when he first did the injury. He didn't know how long it was going to be, and it sounds like he's making pretty good progress. Getting pretty thin in the secondary at this point. Well, and they, they had to go out and sign somebody off of another team's practice squad, and, and uh, they, they uh, you know, they are thin. I mean, if you want to cut to the chase, BW Webb, it sounds like, is going to be able to play how much we don't know. But if Tony McRae starts, let's say, at the slot corner, guess what? That's the fourth different guy you've, you've probably, you know, Dark Wesnar was supposed to be your slot guy, right? right. Then it was B.W. Webb. Got then it was con- Darius Phillips. Got a contract extension. Yes, correct. Yeah. Then, then, it was, then it was Darius Phillips, and now it's Tony McRae. So you're technically on your, your fourth slot cornerback. Um, and, and after that, you know, you had to go out and get Greg Mabin and get, uh, get the kid from Kansas City. I mean, you've had to do a lot of shuffling here very quickly in a – in an important week, in an important spot, which is quarterback. Do you think that there's going to be, because the, the Steelers, based on some of the things I've seen, they've lined up Juju Smith-Schuster all different places yeah. on the field. Do you think because they've got such fragile depth at that slot corner position that it may be a situation where William Jackson follows him around wherever he lines up? Yeah, and, and unfortunately we're taping this before we get a chance to uh, some of the beat guys. We're going to talk to Louie Anarumo this afternoon, and I, I'm interested to see – uh, what he does with that, because if you remember last year, uh, the big story of Tampa Bay week, because I asked William Jackson, are you traveling this week? And he said yes, and that, that's something that Marvin Lewis didn't believe right. in a lot. And it became kind of a big storyline for that week. So I'll be you, you either had, You had a right corner and a left corner yes, under exactly, Marvin. Exactly. Nobody, nobody went. Yeah, nobody went. That was a week where they had William Jackson wherever uh, Mike Evans lined up. Right. He was going with Mike Evans. So, um, yeah, I, I'm interested to ask Lou Anarumo that this week because I, because of the way they do things with Juju Smith-Schuster. Some teams just have a guy lines up as the Y, a guy lines up as the Z, another guy lines up at the X, and that's their positions. But, yeah, I think Pittsburgh's trying to find – the right solution to get Juju open because there's no Antonio Brown to take the pressure away. Now it's all on him. So, I, I yeah, I, I think it's an interesting question to ask this afternoon. Okay, we will uh, catch you later in the podcast. We'll get your prediction for Monday night and maybe a little more Steelers talk. For now, let's dive deeper into the Zach Taylor press conference this week. Coach Taylor is still looking for his first win as the head coach. 
and he remains undeterred and doesn't think the opponent this week or the setting will factor into his team's motivation. It's as good a time as any, you know. It's uh, it would, wouldn't really matter who we were playing in week four. You know, we're we're um, we're very anxious to get another opportunity to put it all together. I think that's the best way to say it. Our guys uh, still believe that we're we're heading the right direction and we're doing the right things, and they know that it's a tough test. You know, it's prime time. Steelers, they're saying the same things in their locker room that we're saying, and you know, it's it's it, our guys will be ready to go. They're they're very anxious for this opportunity. The Steelers game in primetime this week led to a discussion about Taylor's memories of Monday Night Football, saying his parents would sometimes let him stay up to watch. When asked if he remembered a specific game, it wasn't a Monday Nighter, but rather Super Bowl Twenty Seven. I always tried to watch the Cowboys play when I was a little kid, so it's probably... Um, I think I more remember staying up to watch the Super Bowl when the Cowboys played the Bills. I think that's maybe I was in fifth grade, 95-ish. Um, so that's that's kind of the first time I remember begging to stay up. I think it was one of, yeah, I think that was that was the Super Bowl. I think I got to halftime, and then and then the next day at school I acted like I saw the whole game. I think it was the one where where uh, Don Beebe knocked the ball out of his hands to the end zone. It was at Leon Lett, I think it was, and uh, I acted like I'd seen it when my friends were talking about it at school. I said, oh yeah, 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 I saw that. That was stupid, but but really I had no idea what they were talking about. Coaches trying to maintain their cool status in front of their friends. Some things are just universal among those of us in the human race. This is Coach's first game not on a Sunday, so does the preparation differ at all? The same path. There, there's some things that just don't need to be said. It's the, you, feel the, um, you feel the excitement in the locker room, particularly on the game day. Especially when that Monday is a long day. You know, you're used to being in the hotel on a Saturday night and there's games on and Sunday morning, you know, you're getting ready and you're seeing all the NFL pregame shows. And then when you play a Monday night game, it's very different. You know, you, you get there on a Monday morning and there's really, you got to get out of your bed, you got to get up, you got to move around. There's, no, there's soap operas on TV, which you're not used to seeing, you know, and so you just get anxious all day. And then, and then you finally get to the stadium, it's a night game. You know, you see all the big personalities on the sidelines. So you do get that new sense of energy. It's not, nothing we need to talk about during the week and, or in the locker room. It, you just feel it the day of the game, and, and you know it's go time. Monday night is a matchup between 0-3 teams. Bengals fans know they have had some close calls this year, but if you haven't been paying attention to the Steelers, so have they. In fact, Coach Taylor noticing the two team seasons have played out in a similar fashion so far. Very similar games. If you If you look at Pittsburgh, the way their season has gone, not in the sequencing of the way our games have gone. Close game, the first one, you know, the second game wasn't very close for us, and then third game. Their games have been identical, and really their game the other day was very similar against San Francisco. They just they got the ball back at the end with a little less time than we actually had, so when we moved it down and there was 20 seconds left or whatever, they were actually a little bit more backed up against the clock on the minus 30 or whatever it was. So very similar, and there wasn't a lot of scoring in the first half. The defense kept them in it. Um, second half, they got going a little bit. They had the two big touchdowns. So it just it felt eerily similar to how our game was against Buffalo. Moving on, here's what you can expect on Bengals Nation. 11.30, Saturday night on Local 12. On my Keeping It 100 segment, I took the walk with Bengals defensive lineman Andrew Brown, who has been playing football since he was four years old. We didn't have any unlimited weight teams back then. So I had to, uh, and that was for tackle football, so I had to stick to flag football and I had to play up. Um, and age limits. And then um, the thing was, was they didn't have um, ways for me to play up 
and older age groups with tackle football, so I had to stick the flag. I didn't play tackle football until middle school. More from Andrew on the show Saturday night, including what musical talents he has. On this week's In the Trenches segment, our roving reporter Carlos Dunlap had a rough start when he approached Bengals offensive lineman Billy Price, maybe because he brought up a common coach they both had in college. Billy Price, I know you love cameras. We're not going to talk about Urban Meyer, okay? Go Bucks. We're going to make this. No, no, no. Go Gators, not Bucks. See if employee 9-6 can recover from a rocky start with Billy in the full interview Saturday night. Our fan fave segment this week, Chris Renkel catches up with a very enthusiastic Bengals fan who loves following orders. So what makes your tailgate different than the rest of them? Why is it the best? The tailgate is different than the rest of them because of the people we have. A people-first attitude here where everybody's going to have a good time and we're going to go do what Coach Taylor told us to do today, and that was get loud. More from our fan faves of the week, including the delicacy on the menu at the quote-unquote best tailgate. Back with Richard Skinner. Let's dive a little deeper into the Steelers. This is a team that looks very different, even from a year ago, but specifically two or three years ago when they had Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger for years. Ryan Shazier. Ryan Shazier as well. All three of those guys, uh, all four of those guys are are gone uh, from the team. Ben Roethlisberger on season-ending IR. Le'Veon Bell's with the New York Jets. Ryan Chazier obviously hurt himself in a game. Yeah, Antonio Brown's in Cuckooville. And I think we all know if you haven't been under a rock where Antonio Brown is. So will this team sort of do what they do? Will they have that same identity? Or is this a team that right now is trying to find what they're going to do? Yeah, I think that's the thing. And, and um, look, if, if, if Ben was there, um, you, you knew that you could count on him carrying you at right. times, right? Now you're asking a, an unproven quarterback to try to do that, and you don't know if he can do it. So you don't know if you want to throw all your chips there. They haven't run the ball very effectively. Pittsburgh always wants to run the ball. So that you would think that would be the revert to the identity of we're just going to pound you. Well, that offensive line all of a sudden looks really old, uh, and, and I don't know how it's kind of snuck up on them, but right. it, it kind of looks that way. And on defense, I mean, they, they had to go trade for a, a defensive back very early in the season to try to give themselves some quality back there, another quality player back there. I don't there. know if they had to, but they certainly well, yeah, did. Okay, yeah, yeah, right, but they did. <laughs> right. and, you know, I think for them, they, they felt yeah. like, hey, we need some help back there. Right. We're going to go trade for a guy. So, I mean, they got five turnovers last week and still couldn't win the football game. That's almost staggering in this league. If somebody turns the ball over to you five times, you're almost automatically going to, to win the game, and they did not. So, yeah, I think they're still very much trying to find themselves, and I think that would have been the case even if Ben had been the quarterback, and it's even worse for them now that Ben's not. And, again, that doesn't mean Mason Rudolph is going to be a terrible quarterback in this league. It's just there's a young guy. He, he's not Ben Roethlisberger, right? So uh, they're going to find out, and I think you'll see them, however they evolve as the year goes on, I think will be a lot of, of how Mason Rudolph plays. Defensively. Do they, obviously in the secondary, they pick up Minka Fitzpatrick. They've had some, some secondary issues really in the past few years. They, I think they maybe would say that they swung and missed on a guy like Artie Burns right. or, or some of the other guys in their secondary. But up front, their front seven, without Ryan Chazier, but they do have some guys, you know, uh, Watts' brother. Yep. Um, do they still have a, a formidable front seven? I, I think it's good enough, yeah. And, and But Ryan Chazier was a player. I mean, he... Right. Even though they, they did draft Devin Bush and you know he's done some good things, he's not Ryan Shazier. He may never even come close to being Ryan Shazier. And I, I think you cut that out of that defense, you really hurt them a lot. And I think you saw that last year. It's obviously why they drafted Devin Bush this year. They're hoping that at the very least 
he can be, uh, you know, Ryan Shazier light, but Ryan Shazier was the heart and soul of that defense, and that's just, that's hard to make up for that on a freak injury that, uh, that you know, you, you don't plan for any of that. You've planned on Ryan Shazier being your middle linebacker for the next five, seven, eight years, however long his career went. Suddenly you have to replace that, autom- I mean, right now. Right. And it's really hard to do. You know, it, it seems like this is sort of a sea change for the Steelers. They'll go into the 2020 draft without a first-round pick because of the Fitzpatrick trade for the first time in 53 years. They slapped the franchise tag on Le'Veon Bell the past few seasons. That's something they never really took advantage of, never really no, utilized. Right. They traded up to get Devin Bush this year. They made a trade this week to bring in uh, McDonald, who is hurt. They trade for Nick Vanette. They trade a fifth-round pick to Seattle. That's just not something you saw the Steelers do, and, and I think some of it is when we just I talked about that offensive line getting older, and that can be very hard to, to cycle through. I think they feel like, listen, our window's closing very quickly here, yeah. um, and, and I am a little surprised they've done some of that with Ben going down because it feels like the window is closing, and with Ben's injury, that almost closes it, and then it's time to all right, now let's start to retool this for, right. the, for the future. Hey, look, I mean they've had a long history of success, sure. and they've done it because they've been great at evaluating talent. And they've been great at holding on to the, to the right guys for long periods of time and not letting them walk and, and paying them and taking care of them. But eventually in this league, it, it's going to happen to the Patriots. We're going to look up one of these days. It might be in 2047, but it's going to be one day <laughs> where we're going to look up and the Patriots are going to go through this. And, and so it just it happens in this league, and you just can't let it become a five- or ten-year deal. It can, you, you can retool things in three years in this league, and I think that's kind of where the Steelers are and honestly kind of where the Bengals might be too. Okay. Monday Night Football. The Bengals have not won a Monday night road game since, I believe, 1990. Yeah, it's something like that. Against the Cleveland Browns. It's it's a long period of time. So it's been a while since they've done that, and it's been a while since they beat the Steelers Monday night, Sunday afternoon. Anywhere. Tuesday at 5 o'clock. They haven't beat the Steelers since 2015. So this is a a game that Zach Taylor today saying he's not – this game is the same for him. I mean, I don't know if Cincinnati can expect him to have – sort of an affinity right. for this rivalry that, that other coaches have. But 0-3 versus 0-3, who wins this one? I think Pittsburgh has more question marks than the Bengals do. Um, mm. And I've been impressed with the, the two – again, you get nothing for close in this league, right? You don't. But I've been impressed enough with some of the things they've done in those two games to hang around. I mean, again, that, that at halftime, um, they decide to run the ball as opposed to getting away from that short passing game and, and being stubborn with it. In, in Seattle deciding, well, we can't run into the seven-man front, so let's throw it 51 times, and you almost got a victory out of it. I, I think this team is, is – the one good thing is it hasn't splintered yet. I think there is a belief that they, they still can win games, and I think they finally do get the job done in, on Monday night. I think it would be a big step forward because you can get this win against your rival on a Monday night, Arizona comes in, and you can start to maybe start to think, all right, maybe some good things can happen this season. I don't think it's going to be good enough to be a playoff team, but – some good things can maybe happen. This a season. win against the Steelers for the Bengals puts the Wolves back in the den. Yes, right? it does. You would think it does. <laughs> a loss, though, and there are going to be more Wolves coming out than he can even imagine. <laughs> Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital editor and columnist. We thank you for joining us on this podcast every week. Have fun in the uh, Steel City Monday night. We look forward to hearing from you Sunday night on Bengals Backstage and your reporting on Local12.com in Pittsburgh. That will do it this week on the Bengals Nation podcast. A reminder to watch Bengals Nation on Local 12 each and every Saturday night at 1130 and get ready for the Monday Nighter against the Steelers on Bengals Backstage Sunday night after the late local news on Local 12. For Richard Skinner and Chris Rankle, I'm Jed Demusi. We will see you next week.